0: everyone, how's everyone doing today? (laughs) This is Classic Elder Scrolls, brought to you by the Quest Gaming Network, and available for download on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and questgamingnetwork.com. Don't change that dial, viewers on Twitch and YouTube. Yeah, that's right, you are looking at DOSBox. We'll get into that in just a second. First, today's record date is SunDOS. Morning Star the Eighteenth and our show is presented and sponsored to you in part by Tweaked Audio, TweakedAudio.com, the the merchants of some fantastic earbuds that'll blow your ears right off your skull. You'll love them for thirty percent off. They'll ship them to you for free, no matter where you are in the world. If you go to tweakedaudio, Tweaked Audio, T W E A K E D, TweakedAudio.com, and enter our code Off the Record you'll get these wonderful hear- earphones uh, that are so good so quality driven they will indeed blow the ears right off your face <laughs> you'll get it for 30% off <laughs> and for more uh, for more appendage exploding, uh, inducing fun go to audible gaming network. if you want to hear some incredible uh, audio books there are so many out there I'm sure you can find the Twilight series or perhaps a cookbook from Giada uh, right there on Audible AudibleTrial.com QuestGamingNetwork Sign up for your free audio cookbook uh, by Giada to them um, and of course by Mud Crab Mart come for our wide selection of alcoholic beverages and well funded pawn programs stay for our unending hatred of all that live here at Mud Crab Mart <laughs> all right so uh uh who cares about me i got uh, i got a wonderful guy right over here his name is mike the uh the eighth dwarf and uh the eighth dwarf that the other seven refused to acknowledge due to improper use of a pickaxe the tamrielic historian himself mike
1: hello everybody uh yeah i think uh, maybe stabby or sneaky would be uh, the eighth dwarf mm. yeah
0: yeah that's that's you so so uh stabby yeah <laughs> and uh and the sonarist himself the man who
2: can't loot a body to save his life mark good morning all hope everyone's having a great day and yeah it turns out that i'm not very good at this whole fantasy thing i'm a bad murder hobo <laughs> sorry, sorry to hear that
0: <laughs> i am uh i am of course your host and fellow tamrielic traveler eve Arwin. And we are joined by our wonderful and illustrious live chat room here on Twitch, twitch.tv slash Network. And um, as, as Mark tells us where you can find us and as Mike shows us uh, what we're going to be talking about today, I am going to be going through the console commands here in, uh, in DOSBox and I'm going to boot up Daggerfall, The Elder Scrolls
2: Chapter 2 Daggerfall. No more of this Skyrim or Oblivion crap. We're on to the good stuff today. Yeah. <laughs> okay, well, everyone should know that they can watch us live on Sundays at eight, Sorry, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at twitch.tv slash questgamingnetwork. And, of course, you can email us at questgamingnetwork at gmail.com. And if you want to find us on the web, you can find us at questgamingnetwork.com. And if you're on social media, you can always follow us on Twitter at Elder Scrolls OTR, on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Quest Gaming Network. And of course, if you're on Google, on Google, uh, sorry, at Google.com slash plus sign Quest Gaming Network. Take it away,
1: Mike. Alrighty. So today we are playing Elder Scrolls 2 Daggerfall. So hopefully, uh, you know, for, especially for all of our podcast listeners, Uh, there might be some strange in game sounds that we just have no control over because it is Daggerfall. And for all of the people watching the, uh, show, hopefully, uh, you know, we'll be able to get through this without, you know, 75,000 crashes. Um, you know, but we're gonna see, you know, uh, it's a great game. Uh, it is dated in terms of its graphics, but the storylines in it are awesome. So hopefully everybody has fun watching it. And, uh, hopefully the birds tweeting in the background won't be, uh, um, you know, too, too bad. So, uh, in our discussion topics, uh, we are going to have, uh, talk about fantasy, uh, breaking characters into archetypes, uh, in the history of the primordial entities, the formation of the Atada, Akatosh, and Lorcan. Are they their, parent, their parents' children? And the Synarsis archives, clerics in the Elder Scrolls. We have a fast question, some emails, and we are going to talk a little bit before we get to our main topics about what we've done this week in game. So we've actually had quite an interesting week, I think, uh, from all three of the hosts uh, doing some uh, more classic style games. Oh,
0: yeah, absolutely. Um, here, here's, here's a quick question, guys. Uh, I just showed the load screen and uh, I'm thinking maybe, maybe uh, show the, the character generation portion. Yeah, sure. As, that could be yeah, as we fun. sort of like go through our our weekend game thing.
1: Okay, you want yeah. to do
0: that? Yeah, let's well, do that. We'll do it. Yeah, we'll do it real fast. I just want to show people like how how uh, for for younger viewers who maybe have no idea um, at all what what uh, older RPGs used to look like. Uh, I'd like to show that, and then you know a bit of nostalgia for those that are you know all
1: too familiar. Um, <laughs> Liz is in the chat room, so you better not pick a mullet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right, Mike. <laughs> She's already got your name. I think she tried to spell your name all in capitals here. It came out kind of weird, but...
2: <laughs> oh, uh, one quick thing. So on the screen, of course, you've got the... This is how you choose the char- your character race. You pick on the province, and that's what race you get. Yeah. Um, when you play this game you can't actually pick Imperial. Uh, the manual actually states that there are no races in the Imperial. There is no race indigenous to the Imperial province. So at this time, no Imperials. It was just supposed to be every other race comes and congregates there.
0: Yeah. What I, what I love though is, is the fact that the, the map is, is, is still the same. Oh yeah. Even back then. And if you look at the Imperial province, if you're very familiar with with Oblivion, you've got you've got the the river with uh, the moat there, and you know the the island where the the White Gold Tower is actually seated, and Somerset Isles is all the way here in the, the southwest, and you know uh, the uh the, the Red Mountain here in, in uh, Morrowind is is there as well. So I mean, it's it's pretty cool when you click on these. Um oh yeah. When you click on these provinces, uh, it it tells you the race that normally hails from that area and and gives you a brief description on on what those races are.
1: Now, in the chat room, you've got one vote for a Khajiit, you've got three votes for whatever having a mullet, and one vote, aka Liz, saying no mullets.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) Not sure how to take this one. (laughs) Who do I troll? (laughs) <laughs> so many choices. <laughs> um, actually, you know what? You know what might be fascinating to see is uh, all the races here are are actually represented. But I've never I've never grabbed up the uh, the kajit, and um, I'm wondering. I don't think there are cats in this game.
2: Pick the Khajiit. Yeah. <laughs> all
0: right, kajit hail from the province of elsewhere. Part of a tawny skinned. People extremely hardy, intelligent and agile. Many Khajiit have taken to painting their faces to more resemble their legendary f- feline cousins. Interesting. The predatory cats that hunt the great desert Khajiit are on the whole excellent climbers and adept in the arts of thief.
1: Is your character to be a Khajiit? See? Yes. Uh, let's I make it. I a- almost have to wonder, uh, you know, that, uh, if there was some type of thing going on with the moons at that time where they just were all born looking more like elves instead of uh, the cats.
2: Oh, there you go.
1: They could have easily put that into the lore as they progressed to more into cat-type people.
2: Yeah. Well, I th- I honestly think it was just at that point they hadn't really decided on what the Khajiit were. because
1: um, well, in- like the third game, I mean, they really had more of a cat-like appearance. So in Morrowind... Yeah. So they could have easily put a book in there saying, oh, that, you know, the time between Daggerfall and Morrowind, there was something wrong with the phases of the moon. Kind of like they haven't really explained what happened during the two years that the uh, the moons disappeared.
2: Oh, yeah. And uh, I, I think it's sort of they glossed it over and they just basically once in once they started doing Morrowind in that and they introduced the idea that the moons had an effect on them, uh, they just sort of glossed it over by saying that um, this particular Breed of Khajiits uh, were much more often found in the Imperial province and the uh, – in High Rock and Hammerfell around the Iliac Bay during this period. Yeah, That's applied, sort of how they they explained it. They applied but, a little of their Bethesda elbow grease in there with the lore.
1: Yeah, exactly.
2: <laughs> well, Arena, they didn't even have tails. They just had face paint. <laughs> <laughs> well, here
0: um, – as as you might expect, you can you can choose from a list of classes, or you can generate your own class. Uh, if you choose from a list of classes, you've got mage, spell sword, battle mage, sorcerer, healer, Nightblade, blade, bard, burglar, rogue, uh, acrobat, thief, assassin, monk, archer, ranger, barbarian, warrior, knight, and of course the custom class. Um, let's just uh, I'm not I'm not actually gonna. Make this character, but uh, just select page.
2: I've actually never. I've played a a um a preset class in the Elder Scrolls series once. A, a, in Daggerfall, my very first attempt at it, I put I uh, chose a thief, found that it wasn't quite was what I what I was expecting. Went back and ever since I've just you know done a custom character every time.
0: Now you can also choose to quickly generate your character's background how they interact with NPCs um, will be based, how, how your character is received by NPCs will be uh, reflective of these choices you, you you make here. Or you can you can choose your character's career path uh, and they'll give you a bunch of like 12 questions to sort of figure that out.
1: And that's um, something I really miss in the modern RPGs. I mean, having come from a very heavy D&D background with all of the, the games starting with pool of radiance up through neverwinter nights you know that was always a thing like you know when you picked how how you're seen in the world and you know your alignment and stuff like that i really wish they had more of that kind of stuff yeah nowadays
0: i i, I, I miss that stuff too the last one that i remember seeing something like that was um um uh fallout new vegas yeah and that so, so you see here that um, if you if you quickly generate your uh, your you know this background um, lists of types of NPCs like and they have it here commoners merchants scholars nobility and underworld it shows how your reputation with them is either has either changed or, or has not changed. Uh, let's see, name name thyself. Well, I'm a Khajiit, so I'll, you know what I'll name this one Callie because Callie doesn't get enough attention, I think. <laughs> there you go, there you go Kelly. She's right over here sleeping. <laughs> All right, so yeah, look at this. They're not even cats. They're uh, they sort of look like Robin. <laughs> Batman. Robin, <laughs> Batman and Robin. That's Robin right there. It's Dick Grayson. <laughs> uh, you got a you got a another guy here. Sort of. Uh,
1: well, um, we'll just keep going. <laughs> <laughs> Spend all day just watching you, you know, make a character.
0: Yeah, exactly. So you, you choose from from a, a selection of one of these these humanoid type heads, and uh, let's grab this one. He's kind of cool looking. Uh, there you go. And then you you start you know distributing attribute points between strength, intelligence, will, agility, endurance, personality, speed, and luck. Uh, I've got nine attribute points here, and it tells you too, like on the side, your your strength. If there's any damage modifiers, perk your ears up, D D fans. <laughs> uh based on these points allocated, what that's gonna be. So for example, like if I dump nine points into strength, um, that's when you start to see my plus one to damage uh makes its 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 way into it's actually eight points. Uh makes its way into this character what, I, what I, I generally like to do is I'll, I'll take this stuff like if these if these values are, are generally high and it, it's high enough, I suppose I just take this and I just dump all of these points into endurance. So I get the, the uh, plus one hit points and plus one healing rate and then uh, boop you hit OK uh, you get you get extra points for your your primary major and minor skills as well. Uh, I'm just going to allocate these real quick on the stream. Um, you can you can choose which one of these skills that you you want to allocate these points to.
1: See, so, you now this is something that I really don't miss the the allocation of like the strength, the endurance, the constitution, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I really enjoy Skyrim's simplification down to the three basics. Yeah, and I would what I would like is like a secondary type of thing that gives you modifiers on some of your other skills that like your personality things like that that would be kind of cool yeah uh, but yeah you know, just the three is very nice you yeah, know do after I want to be more powerful get, with magic do I, I want to be more powerful yeah, oh, the hold on Mike I'm sorry.
0: The I'm sorry I'm sorry Mike <laughs> that's okay the unworthy heirs of the Deceptive dynasty have allowed the bonds of the empire to weaken and crack <laughs>
1: Uriel Septim, the seventh, cannot repair what his ancestors ignored. <laughs> it's quite the Problems cinematic. <laughs> fight <among themselves> like <laughs> I'm going to
0: skip through this. With at one Because you you kind of get the idea. Now now they cut to this this next thing here. I want to show this real quick. These actual live actors. Excuse the gloom, but none may know of this meeting. Oh, oh my. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. the nature of my trouble is darker still I want to know who the guy on the right is with the torch over a year
2: ago King Lysandus of Daggerfall so, died honorably so angry battle. he actually uh, he, he's one of the as, as he's subjects, in charge of the elder council in oblivion and friend really I can't yeah I can't remember the character's name um I'm thinking Octavo for some reason but the guy the guy talking but is, is Patrick Stewart address. or at least he will be yeah With the the same emperor army he haunts his former kingdom crying for revenge i do not know
0: why a good and loyal man would be so cursed (laughs) all
1: right liz why did that medieval guy have a yankee accent (laughs) (laughs) because bethesda's on the northeast (laughs) all right they definitely couldn't have him saying y'all all all day
0: (laughs) (laughs) you you sort of get through all that and then and then here you are in. Uh, Privateer's Cove, and this is the first, uh, um, the first, the first dungeon that you, you sort of get through. You start in a cave, uh, which has been which has been um, blocked uh, from from the, uh, the the main entrance, and you, you sort of walk through here, and you're like, "Oh my, look! It's uh, it, it's not just a cave. There's a secret door here. You open it up, and you turn around, and holy crap, it's a rat!" And there you go. So how <laughs> you go. All right, so let's let's load up the game and um and let's get started real quick. Um so thank you very much for guys for letting me go through that. Uh Mark, what have you been doing in game this week?
2: Uh I have uh well if anyone joined me Monday, I was actually uh streaming uh Redguard for the first time. And uh I think that went fairly well. I was able to show how uh it's a very, very different game from the rest of the series. It's a set. You have a single set uh, character, and it has a single storyline. It's fully voice acted too. First time they ever did that in the series, and they didn't do that in Morrowind.
0: I was wondering that. I was noticing because we've got your uh, your Redguard video up on uh, on YouTube, and um, I was watching a little bit of it, and I had noticed. That it was fully voice acted i was I was really impressed
2: I mean the game came out you know when two thousand three yeah, and the voice actors are actually really good in it um actually the guy that plays Cyrus he does the voice in several Elder Scrolls games, including a couple of voices in oblivion uh he's actually the the very first uh sorry the bl- the when you're escaping the sewers uh only one of the blades survives uh Bor, uh we actually talked about it on the stream um uh, Borovis or something no he's anyway the,
1: the red guard at, yeah, at the
2: end yeah he's actually it's the same act it's the same character like he he does the voice for that character as well
0: yeah yeah the uh it's it's a very recognizable uh voice I mean, yeah if you if you've played elder scrolls games for any length of time you, you sort of notice that uh, one one guy in particular hosts, um, usually voices the the uh, main red guard character in in the game, and so yeah, it was cool to hear his voice. It was it was nice.
2: Yeah, and of course we were able to see that the Khajiit were like um, Greedo and Han Solo. <laughs> yes, <laughs> the, the conversation they had in the opening sequence. Yeah, what
1: would have made it even better is if you know. He had a crossbow and could have shot him.
0: <laughs> uh, what about uh, what about you, Mike? What have you been doing?
1: Uh, so I've been playing some Skyrim. Uh, we ran um, some Dark Brotherhood quests on uh, Twitch, and uh, you know the entire thing with the pickaxe. Uh, I killed the one miner um, boss lady there with a pickaxe in her house while she was eating dinner. So yeah, you know. <laughs> a lot of people found that quite humorous. Um, so you know that's pretty much been it. You know, just uh, messing around in Skyrim.
0: Okay. Um, yeah, for classic games, man, uh, Daggerfall has, has actually been it for me. I've been I've been playing uh, a little Daggerfall here and there. Um, this character that I that I'm on in particular, I've actually had a lot of success with, and um, been trying to to learn the game a little bit more in depth. Um, so I've been enjoying that. And now we're we're ready to sort of present uh, what we're going to do on on the show, which is the Divines. And um, I'm going to be doing some questing while while these gentlemen uh, discuss the the history of of the Divines and um, and certainly uh, how that pertains to to the games and not just the lore in the Sonarist Archives. Um, I am uh, currently in this uh, town. Um was it longgate yeah longgate longgate okay so I, I went here uh last night after i got i got home from work to to prepare for the stream so and I've never been to Longgate before, so you have to excuse my my <laughs> uh momentary ignorance
2: yeah it's a small town in the uh the Daggerfall region of uh of high rock mm-hmm so the, nothing really in particular about it. It's just this was where uh, they have the Order of the Hour, which is one of Akatosh's temples.
0: Right. So I'm going to be doing some quests for uh, the Temple of Akatosh. And uh, as you can see right here, uh, it's, this, is, this is it. And um, I'm going to join up the guild by uh, talking with this woman in a bikini. <laughs> <laughs>
2: The way Akatosh <coughs> would want
0: you to, of course, of course. As soon as you walk in, she's like, "Look, I have a scepter in my right hand," and we're like, "Oh, I've, I, I noticed that." Uh, <laughs> 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 so yeah, you, you yeah, you uh, interact with this NPC. You hit join guild. Uh, yes, you are worthy to join the Temple of the Akatosh Chantry. We'll embrace you as a member. Are you interested in joining? So it's not just like you get to walk into any of these 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 temples and be like, hey, you know, I'm a warrior, but I want to join, you know, the 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 temple of RK, which you know is is I believe dedicated to um, mages. Uh, you got to sort of be, you, you, you sort of your character sort of has to fill out some some uh, some requirements.
1: Uh, she fills out some requirements there, I think, in that pixel art.
0: Giggity. <laughs> 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 Now, Mark, you were explaining like very briefly to me yesterday over text message um, where those requirements actually come from.
2: Yeah, uh, basically, what's going on is each temple has a uh, a set of guild skills, and just a second—I think I can get this up fairly quickly. Uh, As a result, you know, you have to have. Oh, here we go. You have to have at least. Twenty-two in one of the skills and four in another, so I had to sort of figure out what were what were you playing, and so what would you what were you most likely to be able to get into? And for example, RK has destruction, restoration, me, uh, medicinal, axe, short blade, backstab, and daedric. While Xenothar has streetwise, mercantile, orcish, harpy, giantish, spriggin, centaurin, daedric. Thaumaturgy, Blunt Weapon, and Pickpocket. So you have to be able to have some of those different abilities, and if you don't have them done well enough, you can't join at all. And you actually have to be constantly improving these different skills in order to get up in the ranks. If you don't have um, a certain level and a certain reputation and a skill, you can't proceed any further. Uh, oh here, Akatosh is destruction, alteration, long blade, Daedric, Dragon, Stealth, and a Running. Right.
0: I I fulfill the uh the long blade blade requirement here. Uh so that's why I was able to, to join up. Uh now one of the benefits of, of joining Oh there's these... some dancers
1: in that other room too.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh pay no attention <laughs> to the Akatosh has it going on. <laughs> it
2: certainly does. There's <laughs>
1: Let's just move on.
2: <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not in the Temple of Diabella. You want you want to see some real uh, cheesecake? Go to Diabella. Oh, oh my!
0: Oh my! Uh, oh my! This uh, this guy here that looks like a uh, Deckard Cain. <laughs> click on him. He's actually a training uh, NPC, and for for a mere yes, a mere two hundred gold, folks. Uh, you can train in, in the Skills of Alteration, Archery, Daedric, Destruction, Draconish, long blade, Running, Stealth, and Swimming. Um, okay. You and the trainer practice for three hours. The trainer tells you to reflect on what you've learned and to see if you can put it to good use. So there you go. That's that's actually how you... That, it's part of the reason why you want to join these guilds is you can actually mm-hmm. access these trainers and, and train.
2: Also, uh, because you've joined uh, Akatosh's temple, you can now either pay for a blessing, which gives you a, fa- um, a bonus to your fast travel time, and you can get all your wounds healed at n- for no cost whatsoever by talking to any member.
0: Really? Where do I pay yeah. for blessings?
2: Uh, the person that the that you joined up with has make donation. Okay. I believe that's where you do it.
0: All right. So let's let's talk with her. Make donation how much you want to make. I'm not making a thousand gold contribution. That's going to break (laughs) me. Let's do a hundred. There you go. Thank you for your donation. Perhaps Akatosh will look more kindly in your transportation, transgressions in the future. Okay. All right. So there's, there's no in-game indication that anything here just got buffed. But, uh, let's, let's grab a quest. Um, I don't know. She's, this woman here is literally standing in her underwear, and she has a hood on her face. So, I'm not sure why the hood, but... <laughs> it's a very interesting design. <laughs> Alright, um, so I'm going to start getting some quests. But first, we're going to discuss a couple of things before we get into the history of... Uh, number one, fantasy. Fantasy often breaks characters into four different types. You know, you got your clerics, your fighters, your mages, your thieves sounds about right especially for Elder Scrolls except this one that the cleric do Elder Scrolls games support role playing a cleric type of character very interesting uh, we're gonna open up this discussion uh, with uh, with Mike of course uh, what do you think you think you think if you want to just go ahead and throw yourself into the role of a cleric that you can do it in an Elder Scrolls game
1: I think it's very hard to um... Especially if you think of clerics as the traditional Dungeons and Dragons type of clerics, Um, you know that um, it's easy enough to wear the heavy armor, wield the blunt weapons, um, but the you know other than heal other and heal yourself, I mean, there's not really a ton of healing magic, or until you get like um, you know with like the Dawn Guard type of thing, and also you know it doesn't give you a lot of questing that would support um, cleric type of things. I mean, you follow Meridia and you know, you get to clear out, you know, a necromancer but you know, really you're looking at like more of a a supportive healer type of thing um, class than a um, and and since all of these are are first person it's very hard to, to say that versus you could play as a paladin, which most paladins are still ranked under the fighter class. Um, so it's very hard, I guess, I think, to play a cleric type in, es or in Elder Scrolls, because it is a single-player game.
0: Yeah, um, I, I mean, when it when it comes to certain certain things uh, regarding a cleric type of character. Um, I know in, in Dungeons & Dragons, for example, the ability to, to turn undead is, is um, you know, a, a very recognizable skill that clerics usually have. Yeah. You know, that doesn't really appear in, in, in Elder Scrolls games because, especially in the mechanism in which you, you need to turn undead is you have to have a talisman of some sort um, to be able to use and hold up to the, uh, to the undead and... and um, and get them to turn away. Uh, that game mechanic has evolved quite a bit to the and, and a lot of um, um, RPGs. It just doesn't simply exist anymore. Yeah. Um, but I mean, clerics are are so are are more than just turning undead. It's um, they are primarily priests and secondary uh, warriors. So a lot of what they do is is magic based. And I, I think in Skyrim. Um, there, there would be a way to, to get real close to, to this sort of thing if, um, if you're to wear maybe heavy armor, uh, carry a, a, a mace with a shield and, and just really start getting heavily into, uh, different types of, of magic schools. Um, now, now Mark, for a little more detail, what, what do you think about this?
2: I Uh, I'd have to say that I don't think that this, the, yeah, I have to agree with you guys. It's, it doesn't really support you that well. You don't, it's very rare that you feel like, um, like you've actually joined an order. Like you, uh, you feel that you are, are working for your God. I think that part of that comes down to, they don't really, you can find out about the divines through books. But it's actually very rare that when you're doing something in Skyrim they do a good job where they actually make the missions that you can do have a direct relation to the, the divine that you're doing work for. But usually um, in the other ones, not so much. I mean, Knights of uh, Knight the Nine and, and that in Oblivion does a, a better job. But you never can really you can never really feel like you are part of the priesthood, like you are going out to to do this, that you are getting blessings for your God, for your faith. You yeah, know? I
1: think that Skyrim could have done a really good job with it. If you've done the quest of Mara, at the end it asks you to spread the word of Mara. And like they could have that as a continuous quest where you have to spread it to all of the towns of Skyrim. Yeah, know. exactly. Um, there's there's a mod that I play with that's um, become a bard. I don't know if you guys have played this one, but you know it gives you a logbook and it logs every time that you play at a different inn or tavern in Skyrim. And you you know go up the ranks and you get benefits to like you know your personality and stuff like that. Um, I've heard of it. Yeah, and it's really a cool thing. But they could have done something similar like that with some of the divine quests, where actually- you know continue moving on from town to town to spread the word of your god
2: there's actually a um a modern skyrim that the more often you play sorry you pray at a very specific uh divine shrine uh the more powerful the blessing you get from it becomes really yeah okay. i can't remember what it's called but yeah basically the more devout you are to this one divine the more they you know the the more they bless you oh, that's cool I'll try to figure out what it is and you know I'll put it on uh, twitter okay
0: oh, that's cool um, yeah i mean i, I was tr- i was making the case earlier about about um you know building a cleric type in um in Skyrim and you know maybe maybe there's there's uh you can get close to it um but but the the fact is is that um there's a lot of things that that make up a cleric, that that you know, El- Elder Scrolls games
1: really just don't don't support. Yeah, um, I mean it, they've got the deities there, which is nice, but they don't. Uh, there's not enough like independent questing, I guess, for it. Yeah, and, clerics like,
0: sort of need to interact with with not necessarily just deities, but they need to interact with like the the church that that surrounds that deity. And have the, those different churches feel completely different, um, in order to to sort of flesh out um, a, a cleric type of character more uh, than than a, a cleric for a different type of church versus another kind of church. And yeah. and armor styles too need to be differentiated in order to feel more of a cleric. Heavy armor, and you've got light and heavy armor in in Skyrim, um, which is fine, but. I mean, there's difference between, you know, plate, plate and chain mail and, and studded leather armor as well. Uh, and, and these are, these are armor types in, in, um, uh, Dungeons and Dragons and, and other games that, that support clerics too. And, and you don't have that. So what's to make me feel different than, you know, um, a, a cleric versus a paladin. Paladins wear heavy armor and they're more warriors with support magic. Clerics are more monks, magic, Priests than than warriors, so so their armor types are different too. Yeah.
2: It also, um, I think, it also makes a difference that healing is traditionally something you expect out of a cleric, but in the world of the Elder Scrolls, uh, the Restoration School is available to anyone who can learn magic, which is just you know it's al- the player character always knows at least a few spells, whether or not you decide to um, to expand on that learning is your choice, but. You can always learn at least a little bit of healing, so it something that is traditionally seen as well. This is what the cleric does, has been removed uh, right from the onset.
0: Yeah, it's readily available so to anyone. Even
2: even the spells. It's the it, on the one hand, it sort of matches that the divine seem to keep at a separation from the you know from the affairs of mortals in a way, but at the same time, it also means that. Uh, they they seem to have less importance in a way in the nature of the game.
1: Or at and least like, in the um,
2: as far as adventuring goes.
1: Like with the uh, the quest there in Skyrim where you have to um, you know either save the tree or uh, reestablish the tree in Whiterun. That once you've completed that one, she becomes a master trainer in restoration. The um, was it Danica Springs there or whatever. Um, and so, you know, so that's at least, you know, she's not part of the, the college of Winterhold. So that's the kind of flavor that, you know, you would really expect out of a cleric that you're going to have to go to some type of temple to get your training, not to the mage's college.
2: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is one of those things that it'd be nice to see them do a little more work with. Yeah.
0: Yeah i i sort of agree uh one one thing that that I really enjoyed about Skyrim and and we're we're about to get into the history of folks um so just just uh just hold on tight uh one thing I really enjoyed about Skyrim was was the fact that it was essentially uh classless or it really did a good job making people feel that it was classless uh, but uh, you know i really I really like the the idea of having predetermined classes. For you, this way you have an idea of what the developers think. The class that you want to get close to feels like in the game, and and it gives you a template and something to say. Okay, so this is what this class looks like in this game according to the developers, and how do I, how do I play that? How do I modify that? How do I change that? And it, it does serve as a platform to learn, um, but it also it also serves as. Um, as a way to feel how how these things are differentiated, you know, in the game, and and plus it gives you a quick way to, to jump in the game with a different uh, type of a uh, different game type.
2: Play yeah, I mean, every every game since the beginning, except for Skyrim, you've had the like the the battle mage and the the night are these two staple class names from. From the series, I mean, to be honest, it's sort of whenever I'm playing, I kind of expect to see those two types of character classes somewhere in the game. Yeah, and it it is a little, it is a little, uh, you know, disappointing not to see them there. I mean, like you can still play a Nightblade or a Battle Mage, but you know, it's they wouldn't, you wouldn't think of them in the series if they weren't available in character creation for so often, you know, for so long.
1: And one thing they could really do is, like, instead of having restrictions, like, I mean, you know, when you play traditional role-playing games, like, and I, I think even here in Daggerfall, Varwin in his class can't wear certain types of armor. Yes. Uh, you know, is to instead either give buffs or debuffs onto your character. You know, like, let's say you picked a Nightblade. If you put a piece of heavy armor on, you know, it, instead of saying, oh, you can't have it, you know, in the Skyrim tradition of, you know, let play the way you want. Instead, if you're playing a Nightblade class, like, if you put heavy armor on, you'd get a debuff to, like, your sneaking or something. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and, like, the battle mage, you know, if, it is something unheard of outside of the Elder Scrolls, I think. I mean, you know, most times you hear about mages, they're always wearing cloth armors and robes. Now, as soon as they put any type of metal on their body, it seems like, you know, they can't cast magic. Well, you know, maybe you buff up their Magicka pool by the fact that they have to have robes or, you know, something of that nature in traditional, um, you know, uh, role-playing aspects.
0: All right, gentlemen. Uh, great thoughts. Uh, very good discussion point. Um, this might be something that we we sort of pick up in, you know, future episodes or maybe Lunchtime in Tamriel, um or maybe uh, maybe um, you know Mark's uh, Mark streams. I know I know. Um, excuse me, Mike's streams. I know Mike is looking to do uh, the Dark Brotherhood a little bit more. Uh, we're looking to get that up on YouTube a lot more, and um, certainly Mark is is doing Red Guard right now. But you know later on, if he feels like doing other things, we might be able to you know pick this up as well on on uh, on different videos. So
2: oh
1: yeah, yeah. No, if I, I can get I, my I, thief to stop dying, I might actually start streaming some of that too. But he's <laughs> just very quick. <laughs> Just get that horse as a follower. Oh, my God. He's so squishy right now. I had to pick up a follower just to get, like... I haven't been able to get into the uh, the um, um, the Ratway. Those first two guys, like, kill me all the time. So, uh, you know, I haven't even, like, started most of that quest line. <laughs> <laughs> right.
0: Rat, Ratway's hardcore, yo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, oh, my. This is uh you know, many, many an evil thing is, is summoned in this room. You can certainly tell. Uh, actually, I think, is that a statue of Molag Bal right
2: there?
1: It's very
0: interesting. Alright, guys, well, uh, moment. The the History of...
1: Okay. star starring- 8. You need Talos in your life. Does that sound familiar? Uh, if you <laughs> plan a walkabout with Tal Papa and the Tribunal, just remember, at the end, your soul is going to the void for the glory of Sithis. Tamriel, as we've described, is ripe with religious fervor, and is diverse as the people that populate it. Uh, their veneration of deities can be mind-boggling. So, where should we begin? So, where do you guys think we should begin?
0: As as far as deities go,
1: yeah. Start with start with the progenitor.
0: Start with Lorcan. Yeah.
1: Start with begin the beginning. The
2: beginning.
1: So, uh, this will be the first of our hopefully many on uh, the different deities. Um, you know, not including you know the daedras, because we have separate ones for daedras, but. Uh, All Tamriolic religions begin the same, whether it be man or myrrh. Things begin with the dualism of Anu and his other. These twin forces go by many names, Anu and Padame, Anuel and Sithis, Ekel, Sat'ak'al, Is, Is not. Anuel is the everlasting, infallible light. Sithis is the corrupting expression of action. In most cultures, Anuel is honored for his part of the interplay that creates the world. But Sithis is held in the highest esteem because he is the one that causes the reaction. Sithis is thus the original creator, an entity who intrinsically causes change without design. Even the hist acknowledged this. And this is from The Monomyth, which is a huge book. I was really surprised how much there was in that. Oh, we we'll uh, just so- found The Monomyth. So, uh, we start out with a being and some type of change that is associated with that being, whether it be Anu and Padme, which is what I'm probably going to refer to as most of, throughout most of the rest of the readings, and, or Anuel and Sithis. Most people know who Sithis is. Right. Right. So, we have a creator being and a being who causes change. Now the red guards have a unique twist on this story, uh, talking about uh, a snake. Uh, the worlds to come slid across each other, but none across each other, but none had room to breathe or even be, and so the worlds called to something to save them, to let them out, but of course there was nothing outside of the first serpent, so aid had to come from inside. This was Akal. The Hungry Stomach. Kel made itself known, and Satak could only think about what it was, and it was the best hunger. And so it ate and ate, and soon there was enough room to live in the world, and things began. So that's from the monomyth Yukudin Satakal and the World Skins.
0: Uh, don't, don't most people uh, r- regard Sethis as, as a snake? They, they, see, they see the character as...
1: They oftentimes look at Sithis as some type of like death entity or entity that causes death. So Sithis being the skull uh, in the Dark Brotherhood, um, uh, the uh, Akel here, the from the Satakel is you know the hunger within the snake. So yeah, you know it's some type of thing that is designed to cause change from. What is the current? Uh, if you've ever seen tarot taro cards, you know the death is oftentimes the change—not literally meaning death, but change from your current um, state of being.
0: Right, right. Like a, uh, like a. Uh, yeah, I, I get what you're saying. Like a. Yeah, you know,
1: like you could change job fields. Yeah, you know, that right. would be the death card. You know, because it, it's your current state of being is whatever you're doing at that time. Whether whatever your daily routine is, so it's some type of change, and that's what uh, Akel or Sithis or uh, the is not represents is a change from the state of being.
0: Now, now, how does I, I'm wondering how that sort of fits in with Mayrune's um, Dagon. Hey, Mike, you there?
2: Yeah, I'm here. Hello? Okay. Okay. Yeah.
0: Alright. Looks like we uh we experienced a drop call. I, I apologize for that guys.
2: Oh, not a problem.
0: Uh, just do me a favor real quick. Uh just uh double check the stream, make sure that everything is is uh is
1: there. Yeah, I'm seeing like all the of stream... the people's typing. Uh, yeah, the, the people are still there,
2: back. um and I'm getting a I'm getting a commercial at the moment for some uh, reason. Oh god
1: character screen here with a varwin's uh, character and the pointers moving so
2: all right well okay. you
0: know we'll uh we'll see how this plays out um all right so so uh, like i was saying i'm wondering how this uh how this plays out with uh Dagon, dagan because he's he, he's usually associated with you know upheaval
1: yes and a lot of that i think is, comes from what happened between um the two primordial entities so you know, we have uh, Anuel and Padame Anu and Padame or Anuel and Sithis, and, you know, we really don't hear much about them unless you're, you know, doing Dark Brotherhood quest lines. You know, we hear about people like Mara and Akatosh, Zenithar, Mehrunes, Dagon, things of that nature. So how did they come about? That's really the question that I think that we're really looking at here, right? Yeah. You know, because I mean, Re- Mayrune's Dagon he fills the the concept of change and upheaval. Um, so, if we read the children's uh, Anuad, uh, a long and furious battle ended with Anu as the victor. He cast aside the body of his brother, who he believed was dead, and picked and attempted to save creation. As he was doing so, Padme struck him through the chest with one last blow. Anu grappled with his brother and pulled them both outside of time forever. The blood of Padme became the Daedra. The blood of Anu became the stars. Oh wow! The mingled, the mingled blood became the Adra. Hence, their capacity for both good and evil, and their greater affinity for earthly affairs than the Daedra, who have no connection to creation.
0: So, so Anu and Padme, right? Yes.
1: Okay. The original primordial beings.
0: Anu stabs sharks. Padme, right? Yep. And and Padme's blood becomes the Daedra, and the Aedra uh, were uh, came from from the the stars. You're saying, and, and had the it-
1: mingled uh, blood between the two. Okay. And then the stars, which we're not really going to talk much about, uh, the Magna Ghi, they are the ones that are pure Anu blood. So. Yeah, so it gives us the three different beings that we hear about or encounter. The Daedra, you know, being from Padme or Sithis. Uh, so, people like, or entities like Merun's Dagon, um, like um, uh, Malag uh things of that come from Padme. So, different aspects of change. Right. Um, and then the pure blood of Anu uh, becomes the Magna Gi, the stars. Uh, that we really don't hear much about. It's only one or two books that you even hear about Magnus and the Magna-Gi. And then uh, the mixed blood becomes the Adra, so things like Mara, Akatosh, Zenithar.
2: Uh Sorry, I just want to interrupt. Um, I like how in the previous room you had like three bodies hanging from th- the ceiling, and in this one you've got this orc surrounded by nice potted plants. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, just, you know, it was one of those, what the hell? (laughs) Well,
0: I know, I was noticing that myself. (laughs) Um, All right, go go ahead,
1: Mike. (laughs) So we're going to talk now, actually, about um, the two of the Adria, in particular. So, uh, from the Talos mistake, until Tiber Septim's death, there had been but eight divines. Akatosh, Debella, Arke, Zenathar, Stendar, Mara, Kinnereth, and Julianos. These gods were and are worshipped throughout the Empire. And while some may have different names in various varying provinces, for example, Akatosh is known as Aurel, we've all seen and heard about the bow, uh, to the Eldar, and Arke is sometimes known as R-K, spelled much differently, Uh, they are recognized and revered by all races and cultures in Tamriel. Now, we're going to start with Akatosh, and Akatosh is the dragon god of time. Now that should, you know, first ring a bell there, that we've seen and interacted with a dragon, and the concept of time with that dragon.
0: Yeah, it's this... one of
1: two deities found almost in every Tamrielic religion.
0: Yeah, very, very, very interesting, right? Right here, uh, Akatosh, the dragon god of time, and, mm-hmm. uh, and
1: this is why you
2: join the Order of the Hour.
1: Oh, I thought that was like you know it's you know eleven o'clock and we have to join an order for one hour. Well, oh. Okay, well. <laughs> um, the other deity found in almost every Tamrielic religion is Lorcan. Uh, he is generally considered to be the first of the gods to form at the in the beginning place after his establishment other spirits found the process of being easier and various pantheons of the world emerged and that's from varieties of faith of the empire now since eso has come out this variety of, of faith in the empire has gone on to have varieties of faith you know, semicolon whatever province that uh, they want to talk about. So it's actually they've done a huge amount of expansion talking about each of the different faiths of the different uh areas, which has been really cool. So Akatosh has many other names based on the cultural region being examined. Uh he's Akatosh in Cyrodiil and Brittany. So here where we are in Daggerfall, uh we'll see Akatosh and uh you know, Varwin has joined the Order of Akatosh. I have. In Skyrim he's referred to as Alduin. Uh, in the, to the Myrrh of Somerset and Valenwood he is Ariel. And elsewhere he is Alkash. In the Redguard faith he is Ruptaga, the otherwise known as Talpapa. The Altmer refer to Akatosh as Ariel. The Nords call him Alduin. These names come up repeatedly in certain ancient texts, and in each one it is clear that the deity in question is none other than he whom we call Akatosh.
0: So, did you hear that, guys? The Nords call Akatosh Aldwin.
1: It is my (laughs) conclusion that the Alduin of Nord Legend is, in fact, Mighty Akatosh, whose story grew twisted and deformed through centuries of retelling and embellishment. Through no real fault of their own, the primitive people of Skyrim failed to understand the goodness and greatness of the Great Dragon, and was this lack of understanding that formed the basis of what became, ironically, the most impressive creative achievement, Alduin, the World Eater. Phantom of bedtime stories and justification for ancient, if imagined, deeds, and this comes from the book Alduin Akatosh Dichotomy. So we see that, uh, you know, the if you come from Cyrodiil or Brittany, that uh, uh, they're looking at Akatosh as a great and mighty, you know, benevolent type of god. And I guess you know, if you played through um, Oblivion, you could definitely say that. I mean. He's the one who stops the Oblivion crisis. But we were talking before show, right, uh, Mark, about how... Yeah. Was it self-interest?
2: Yeah, exactly. I mean, uh, everyone sees Akatosh as a very important caring god. He's, he's the one that holds short or shut the gates of Oblivion. He made that deal with Alicia that helped them overthrow the... Uh, sorry, that helped them o- overthrow the uh, Aliens. And yeah, and he helps drive back uh, Mehrunes Dagon when Dagon invades. But at the same time, when you want to look, if you really look at it, it, is it so much love for you know the mortal races, or is it more? I have given of myself to create the Mundus. Like I literally hacked off chunks of myself so this whole thing can exist. I don't want you guys moving in and taking my stuff. You, know, the, the, you didn't help with this. You're not having any of it.
0: The, the whole yeah. point is that we're, what we're trying to say is that the the god Akatosh may actually be Alduin, the world eater from Skyrim, who is far from anything else but a bad guy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And, and it, uh, it,
1: it Captain an Dumak uh, in uh, chat says Alduin is a separate deity. I found many books in Skyrim that say Alduin is completely different from Akatosh. And yes, there are books throughout that that give for both sides. That is Alduin and Akatosh the same, you know, um, spiritual being, or is are they two separate beings? I mean, we kill off Alduin in the main story of Skyrim, um, you know, and there's claim that he is the firstborn of Akatosh. Now, is that just meaning, as Mark said, did you know Akatosh lump off a chunk of himself to create that? Or is it, you know, as they talked about here, that, you know, he is uh, a phantom of bedtime stories that, you know, before the events of Skyrim, that it becomes, that it, because until we meet him in Skyrim, you know, the, you know, it's like many religions, you know, God is God type of thing, you know, how do you perceive him is, you know, up to your cultural uh, references.
0: Yeah, the, the the point of the matter is is that um, what we are trying to we're we're trying to show this, but at the same time, you know, we're we're also trying to show the fact that um, in Elder Scrolls games you have you have these these intentional inconsistencies in in lore where you have very clear um, statements being said about one particular uh, character, and then very clear statements that refute that as well later on. Uh, which is you know very uh it's fun and interesting, okay, so
2: so we, we I, I hate to say it about Jesus. oh wait, no, okay, I was about to say I think that's the uh it's time to reset it when you get something like that getting caught, yeah, yeah that,
0: <laughs> daggerfall but is is a very uh difficult game to
1: stream and and do temperamental a show. it's very yeah, difficult,
0: so you're gonna hear some crazy things. <laughs>
1: So the second god that we're going to talk about in today's episode, uh, and this will be the last one that we actually talk about because there is so much lore for each of them, is Lorcan. Uh, Lorcan uh, convinced or contrived the original spirits to bring about the creation of the mortal plane, upsetting the status quo. That's from Varieties of Faith of the Empire. Uh, most players of the Elder Scrolls games know the heart of Lorcan's story and the Red Mountain, but how did it get there? So if we look at the book Before the Ages of Man, the cosmos formed from the Anubis, chaos or totality, by Anu and Padme. Akatosh, Aurel, formed, and time began. The gods, the Ad ada formed. Lorcan convinced or tricked the gods into creating the mortal plane Nern. The mortal plane was, at this point, highly magical and dangerous, as the gods walked the physicality makeup of the mortal plane and even the timeless continuity of existence itself became unstable. When Magnus, architect of the plans for the mortal world, decided to terminate the project, the gods convened at the all- Adamantine Tower, the Dereni Tower, the oldest known structure in Tamriel, and decided what to do. Now that would be the same white gold tower, right? Now this is the tower in Daggerfall. Uh, in the High Rock region, the Adamantine Tower. Okay. Um, most left when magic did. Others sacrificed themselves into other forms so that they might stay the Elnifae. Lorcan was con- condemned by the gods to exile in the mortal realms, and his heart was torn out and cast from the tower. Where it landed a volcano formed all right so here you got one thing
0: saying that that Lorcan was was cast out there's other there's other things that exist saying that that um, Lorcan left um, he left the Mundus intentionally punching a uh, a hole in the sky and that's what the this the Sun
1: is uh, that's actually Magnus leaving intentionally punching the hole in the sky all right so I'll just shut up <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> Uh, but there is another story, <laughs> if we look at another race, uh, the theory of the Lunar Lorcan from the Khajiit, who, you know, he is not on Mundus itself either. Um, so, let me, hopefully I get this one right here. Coriden, uh Elden Antiquatrate of the Doreni denied to answer a few questions. According to him, the tower was erected in the Dawn Era, talking about the Dureni Tower, when the gods met to decide the fate of Mundus. At its apex, Aurel, the great god of the Aldmeri, slew the trickster Lorcan, impaled his heart on an arrow, and launched it across the world. The heart merely laughed and lived on. Uh, And then, in short, the moons were and are two halves of Lorcan's fleshly divinity. Like the rest of the gods, Lorcan was a planet. Uh, So they believe, you've seen some of the tweets I've sent out this week showing the cosmos of... uh, Nern, uh, with the different planets, each of them being named for a different god, kind of like our own universe. I mean, Jupiter and Neptune and, you know, uh, Mars and Mercury, and each it, of them being named after Roman gods.
0: Yeah, it is, kind of, It is now that you mention it, reminiscent of that, yeah. Uh,
1: so they believe that the two moons, uh, the uh, Munda, or uh, Masser and Secunda, are the cloven duality of Lorcan himself.
2: And actually, it's interesting because in ESO, then um, uh, without going into too much detail, at one point you end up sort of visiting what is supposed to be Lorcan's uh, uh, Lorcaj, I believe is what they call him. His his um, his realm, his Oblivion realm, or as it were, and it's it's empty. He's not there, and it's supposed to have. It's part of one of their rituals involving the moons. Yeah one of their most important rituals they ever that they have
1: now as mark just mentioned uh lorkaj you know he is called by uh the moon beast of the kajit uh in uh the red guards he's known as sep uh we've all been to shore stone in skyrim shore is another name for uh, the divinity of lorcan uh shore The bad man in Bretany is another version. And uh, some people even go so far as to believe that Talos is an avatar of Lorcan. So, you know, it might be that, you know, because Lorcan is so associated with the Mundus and creation of like a mortal plane that uh, the missing god of the Pantheon could be Talos could be an avatar of Lorcan.
2: Yeah. It's an interesting a- thought. Actually, it's. Um, there are sev- supposedly there are several people who are avatars of Lorcan, Talos being one of them, um, or Tiber Septim being one of them. Another one was called Yzmir uh, Wolfharth, one of the first Nordic leaders uh, in ancient Skyrim. And he apparently fought at the Battle of Red Mountain, and he's immortal and a whole bunch of things. But eventually, he he met up. According to a book supposedly written by him, he met up with Tiber Septim uh, when Septim was helping was starting to conquer all of Tamriel, and he he offered help, and because he wanted the um, he wanted the Tribunal destroyed because of their abuses of Lorcan's heart. What ended up happening, though, was uh, Septim made peace with the the Dunmer in exchange for the Numidium. Uh, the golem that was supposed the iron the brass god the golem that was supposed to be powered by Lorcan's heart this really annoyed wolfhart to say the least and they got into a fight over this and the result being that um Septim stole Lorcan uh, Wolfhart's heart in order to power the numidium and uh wolfhart ended up becoming the underking who is actually uh, a ra- mm-hmm. rather important character in this game so it's just interesting that if you if you believe the um the avatar theory there is at one point where Lorcan is literally fighting himself <laughs> <laughs> and messes himself over seriously.
0: Well, um there's there is a uh there is a por- part where in Elder Scrolls Online uh in Craglorn where you see a character be, be split into into two. Uh, I'll leave it at that, but, you know. Yeah. There is there is something that, that exists in, in that game for oh, that. Oh, yeah.
1: Now, talking about being split into two, depending on which race you look at, each of these, these two uh, deities serves a different purpose based on the belief of the people. So if we look at this from the uh, aspect of the myrrh, we're looking at Ariel, the King Father, the Supreme Good, uh, and they look at Lorcan as completely evil because the elves believe that you know. If you look at the words uh, Daedra and Adra, it literally means ancestors and not ancestors.
2: Uh, sorry to break in again. I like that you just went through the waiting room. The waiting room. <laughs> there, there, there was a, there was a room back there with like a bunch of chairs all lined up around the hall and a <laughs> little table in the corner. <laughs> Sorry, it's <laughs> continue. All, it's all this good. is just a very interesting dungeon that way.
0: <laughs> Mark's having a ball watching me play Daggerfall. Yeah, I know.
2: <laughs> oh, completely. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt, but continue.
1: Oh, <laughs> so if we look at it in that aspect, you know, the, the creation of the world traps the, uh, the spirits of the Elnafei in the world, and the elves look at it as Lorcan being the trapper of their spirits in a mortal form. Uh, if we look at it from the perspective of the Nords, uh, they look at Alduin as the destroyer of worlds and time as the enemy because they are mortal, that they will die, uh, but that they're given this mortal form by Lorcan, the creator, the one who has allowed them to have life in the first place. So it's definitely an interesting dichotomy of each of the two that we've talked about so far, uh, depending on which race is looking at it. What do you guys think on that?
0: Well, um, like we're, like we were saying, you know, uh, there's, there's lots of, uh, Elder Scrolls is, is filled with, uh, with lore that, that supports and then, and then, and then tears down and then supports and then tears that down. And, you know, these, these, like you were saying, these interesting dichotomies, um, Crop up when when that happens, and you know you're you're sort of left with, what what's the truth, what's not the truth, what do you believe, what do you disbelieve, and then that's uh, that has created a lot of interesting discussion on
1: on forums as well. And, and I think it really gives flavor to the different to the world itself. I mean, you know, if you want to play as a Myrrh, you know, one of the elf creations. I mean, if you're playing as a bosmer or an altmer. You're going to have a different pantheon, a different belief that each of the pantheons are versus the Nords, who you know might even worship the same deities, but look at their aspects completely different from you.: um,
0: Yeah uh, you know for, for example, uh, you know the again, back to the, to the Aktoshi and Aldwin, um you know, yeah, one of looks at him term. as a
1: good guy. The other looks at him as the destroyer of the world,
0: right? <laughs> and it's the same. Meanwhile, everyone in, everyone on Tamriel uh, <laughs> believes in some form of Akatosh or another, and you know, you've got you've got this that pops up there. Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, so, so, Mike, uh, I mean, in closing, is there is there anything mm-hmm. uh, anything else so that you wanted to bring? One up? One
1: last thing from Shazar and the Divines: Why do we have eight Divines? I mean, that that's a real question, and. As we've played ESO, I think each of us have gotten an idea that there's a lot more out there than just the eight. But why, you know, when you're running into the point of, you know, Oblivion and Skyrim, why are there eight? Uh, so we have to go all the way back to Elysia and the Slave Rebellion. Uh, Akatosh was an all-merry god, and Elysia's subjects were as yet unwilling to renounce their worship of the Elfin Pantheon. So you got to remember these are... Um, Uh, Eliads and their recently freed slaves all living in Cyrodiil at this point in time. Uh, She found herself in a very sensitive political situation. She needed to keep the Nords as her allies but they were at that time fiercely opposed to any adoration of elven deities. On the other hand, she could not force her subjects to revert back to a Nordic pantheon for fear of another revolution. Therefore concessions were made and Empress Alicia instituted a new religion, the Eight Divines, an elegant, well-researched synthesis of both pantheons, Nordic and Mary So well, that's how. Yeah, so, so I think that's pretty cool that, you know. So Alessia yeah. actually
0: ends up being the Constantine of, of Elder Scrolls. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, basically. We so should get new- rid of
1: these books of the Bible because we don't want them. <laughs> right. <laughs> Wow, huh, so yeah, I, so I, I thought that was that. pretty cool, you know, to look at it to really give us us pause to say, okay, you know we we are all you know from Skyrim and oblivion, the eight the uh, you know was it the um, um, the Knights of the nine quest uh line the d l c from that uh you know, and the eights and the guy in white runs screaming, you need Talos in your life, and it's like, where do these come from, and why are they there and you know Um, you know, and you know, if you've gone, if you've done more when it's like, okay, what happened to the tribunal, you know, aren't they deities too? But it's, you know, it's really kind of cool to look at, (coughs) excuse me, each of the different, uh, cultures and their, their take on religion. And then where did it come from, you know? And, uh, so I thought that was pretty cool. And we have to thank, uh, the Imperial Library. They provided all the books and I will put links up, uh, after the show, uh, on Twitter. So the people that want to read the full, books, not just the excerpts I've taken out of them, can uh, go back and read them. So I had a lot of fun with this, and uh, as I was telling Arwen I'm like, we had to cut it at the, the first two there, uh, Akatosh and Lorcan, because it could have taken two and a half hours just to read through the basics of each of the eight.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, clearly, as you can see, I mean we, we only covered two today, and uh, <laughs> I mean... You know, there's there was uh, quite a bit of information, and, and you know I could tell by the way you're talking, Mike, that we we didn't even scratch the surface. Yeah.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. So,
2: and and this is sort of what makes the the lack of opportunities to RP as a cleric just that much more you know annoying. The more you learn about the the different deities, because there's so much in there, but then you can't really fo- it, you can't really follow up on it the way you might want to.
1: Yeah, I mean, you could act as an agent of Mara or an agent of Akatosh and really have like a whole experience, but they've got to build some type of mechanic into the game to allow you to do that, to, for that role to happen.
0: All right, well, Mark, um, on to the Sinarist Archives. And and uh, we've we've heard we've heard uh, quite a bit about about um, about divines uh, in yeah. the, in the history of now now how how does each game sort of sort of handle the subject and the characters uh, that are in fact the divines?
2: Well, before I get started on that, I'd like to uh, read out the invocations to the divines from the pocket guide to the empire. This is, from, this is the first edition, and it was written when uh, Septim was trying to take over all of Tamriel and came out with, uh, with Redguard. So, the eight invocations. To Akatosh, whose perch from eternity allows the day. To Kinnereth, who returns the masculine breath. To Dibella, who pays men in moans. To Arke, who braves the diminuendo. To du- Julianos, who encants the damned equation. To Mara, who fills the empty and drains the stones to Zenithar, the provider of our ease, and to Stendar, who suffers men
1: to read. Can you read the Bellas again?
2: Hayes <laughs> uh,
0: okay. Men in Moans. Pays Men in Moans. Is that, a, is that an Argonian name? <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: that i is that now. <laughs> the, the,
0: the, the real name of the lusty Argonian maid has been revealed.
1: <laughs> there we go.
2: Okay, so the games have had an interesting progression of just how the gods are presented. Um, In Arena, we did have temples, but from what I've been able to find, like going back and playing the game a bit and trying to track it down, there doesn't actually seem to be any sign as to what these these temples are dedicated to.
0: (laughs) Just every week, this poor
2: guy, he's like in Arena... It just doesn't seem to be. <laughs> <laughs> just, did, did someone just throw that, you know, Elder Scrolls on just to troll me for, you know, because it's never one of the games, never, <laughs> never. Arena never. It, it doesn't match no. up. It really is Daggerfall that it starts to become the Elder Scrolls <laughs> Arena, first person game
0: before. Anything else here? <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: Rina, we've got a map that we might want to use. <laughs> <laughs> let's, let's reuse this map. That's it. We got a good <laughs> idea. Here's how it starts <laughs> Make it better. Let's
2: give tails to the Khajiit and remove the hair from the Argonian women. um oh boy. <laughs> so, yeah, there's really no sign as to what these temples are dedicated to any particular god. And the closest I've been able to see was there's apparently a quest where you have to go get something back from the priests of the Mad God who went and stole something. So, at the best, I can tell that that's maybe an early reference to, uh, to Shagorath. So, at which point we move on in history and we get to Daggerfall. And this is the game where, frankly, you have the most ability to, to focus on a specific divine. Like if you want to be a priest of Akatosh, you can play as a priest of Akatosh, and you don't have to sort of be serving the divine as a general pantheon. Um, but at the same time, it's the only—it's only the eight. Uh, this, and this is the thing: it's, it's there are only eight divines. But at the same time, they state that Anticlare is actually Tiber Septim's birthplace, and they actually have a date that is his—is his. Uh, is his a birth, you know, his birth date, and there's a big party going on in that place at the time. So it's clear that at this point in in the game, Tiber Septim wasn't actually meant to be a divine. He wasn't meant to be a god. This is something that was added to the series later on. Um, the worship of Daedra seems to be much more common uh, for people. They actually, um, you know, buy Oblivion and uh, is, is a common, ble- you know, blessing or curse in that uh, people use. They they make much more reference to the Daedra actually than to the Divines in in many cases. Um, and there are also a bunch of other gods that are found in the books that just they then disappear from history. Um,
0: actually there's actually a um uh one of the first days of the year in in Morningstar. Uh, is uh, is is the summoning day of Molag Bal, and I mean that's that's just a to, to give you an idea. I mean everyone sort of can you know conceptualizes Molag Bal in Elder Scrolls to sort of be the devil, um, and here you got a, a time where he's openly uh, worshipped and and even attempted to be summoned.
2: Yeah, and well, and this is the thing: there are three ways of uh, being able to summon Daedric princes in Daggerfall, in order to be able to go and do their quests to get an artifact, um, you can either get really high in the Mage's Guild, you can track down a Witch's Coven, or you can get really high in one of the temples. So, if you're <laughs> high enough level in the, you know, in Akintosh, <laughs> or Dibella, or they will let you summon the devil. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, the, the Daedra... We're not really meant to. It's unclear as to exactly how they were meant to be seen at the time, but you know, I, I kind of can't picture Akatosh summoning Daedra anymore. It's just, you know, I don't see them doing that in the game. Jesus. Oh, this looks promising. <laughs> Hopefully,
0: holy God!
2: <laughs> what are you trying to track down, anyway, Varwin?
0: Ah, uh, looking for uh, an NPC that that got themselves lost in this castle. Oh, <laughs>
2: so, um, so yeah. Basically, like three of the gods, for example, that have been abandoned. One was called Psy who was a god of luck, uh, and he was granted um, immortality by another god in exchange for taking on that portfolio. Uh, that the god that granted that was named Raymond Ebonarm, and he shows up in three books in Daggerfall. He was a god of war, companion and protector of all warriors, and he had a. He apparently had a golden war steed named, named War Master and had a massive ebony sword fused to his right hand. So clearly this guy was invented by a 13-year-old D&D player. <laughs> <laughs> um, his symbol was the, the red rose, and he was the enemy of Daedric princes, except for Sheargorath, and he was also the enemy of Stendar. Really? Don't ask me why. Uh, I'm... I, from what I've been able to look at, I can't really find where it says he's the enemy of Stendar, I believe, but it's on the uh, unofficial Elder Scrolls pages. I think that it's because he, of something that um, is in the uh, in the code, where if you do, um, do quests for this particular sect that, you know, worships or helps him, you suffer in the Church of Stendar because they're his enemies or something. Okay, that, so that would a, be my best guess.
0: Yeah, it's just like a basic factional difference yeah. in the
2: so game. Why that's there, I have no clue. Maybe they um, had a tiff. Sorry?
0: Maybe they had a TIFF.
2: Mm-hmm. Probably. A little,
0: uh, little, little hair pulling accident.
2: <laughs> yeah. Well, I do have well that would explain why he has to fuse on a sword to his right hand. <laughs> uh I do have um a favorite god that I believe is the true ninth who is then left out of the series for reasons I don't know. His name was Eos the Agitated, the animal god. And I just want to read a, a, a passage from a book about him. It seems that many, many years ago, before the reign of Uriel Septim Seventh, before the reign of reign of Sepphoris Septim II, yes, even before the age of Pelagius Septim Third, long may his name be praised, there lived a wombat who was the pet of Lady Gr- uh, Grilina Uh, daughter of Lord Proofrock of of Rock Creek. Lady Grilina loved her wombat so, and it loved her too, with all the passionate intensity a marsupial can muster. Unfortunately, it was a time of great sorrow in Rock Creek. A pestilence had come through the town, destroying all their cash crops, which consisted of raspberries and a few scraggly odd weeds that caused Argonian women to look uh, very attractive to those who partook. And then a a plague had come, inflicting nearly every cobbler with chronic hiccoughs. Finally, a witch had cursed the townspeople so that the only words any could utter were, hmm, precisely. All the businesses, stores, and guilds fled the town faster than than an extremely fast thing. Lady Grilina saw her father despairing the loss uh, the loss the town was suffering so she brought her wombat in and told him father my wombat can save us all for it is sacred to the to the god Eos god of animals the only reason I didn't tell you earlier is because I'm an early adolescent going through that period where I don't like to communicate but please ask for a wish of my wombat and Eos will fulfill it for my lo- wombat loves me. You're all, you're not making this up, right? Like, <laughs> I am not making this up. You're not, this not is totally in game. Okay. The king thought this was fairly flaky, but he had nothing to lose, so he uttered a modest wish to the wombat. All I want is for one business to come to Rock Creek that will never leave, no matter what the calamity. I should probably have mentioned before the king had always been cruel to the wombat. He used to lick it and try to make it to stick to walls. <laughs> So the Wombat had ES create an equipment store in front of the palace gate that would never go away. It's, it's, the royal family ended up going mad and eating one another. And ironically, the Wombat was the first one to go. But that is why <laughs> to this day, an equipment store blocking the palace gate is blocking the palace gate in Rock Creek. If you don't believe me, go there and see. <laughs> I swear to God, this is straight in the game. All right. You see, why didn't that one stick around? Uh,
0: uh for obvious reasons. <laughs> oh, I
1: wonder where case, you get the agitated. Week.
2: <laughs> So, yeah, I I, I kind of, I had to read that one just because, wow. Yeah, holy. Wow. God. <laughs> uh, very um, interesting. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, moving on to Morrowind, um... Morrowind allowed you to continue playing as sort of a priestly-type character when you can join the Imperial cult. Um, The Imperial cult was for the eight divines, plus the hero cult of Tiber Septim. In the game, he wasn't considered a full-on divine at the time, though later on you can see an avatar of him. And the game is a bit weird in that way because you can actually see you actually have a chance to meet up with several different avatars of the divines, and later games would then go on to say that the divines don't really form avatars; they don't really, inve- you know, show up in the world in that way very often. And it's an almost casual thing the way they show up. Um, you don't actually realize that you've met a divine until after the fact, usually. Mm. So, the the game allowed you to continue playing on as a priest, but it had now sort of reduced it. You had a choice as to sort of what type of branch you wanted to join. Do you want to be someone who's worried more about the finances? Do you want to be more about the preaching and healing? Do you want to be more of sort of a warrior for the faith who goes and protects and does that type of thing? But at the same time, now you are focused more on what type of place do you want in the general church as opposed to what sort of role do you want to play, period. Uh, the game also let you join the tribunal, but uh, the tribunal temple. But yeah, you know, we're kind of focusing on the divines right now. Um, the game also then introduced uh, some class, some extra classes that sort of hinted more at a more uh, priestly type character. You had the crusader, who you know usually when you think of a crusader, you think of sort of a, a knight on a very holy quest, fighting for the faith. Um, The healer, which healer did show up in other ones, but they sort of made it clear that this is someone who was solemnly sworn to heal and whatnot. Uh, Pilgrims, uh, which were travelers, travelers seekers of truth and enlightenment. Um, So, you know, pilgrim is more of a religious thing as well. And then you had witch hunters who, when you expect a witch hunter, you are sort of seeing someone who is looking out for, you know, has a more faith based idea behind them as well. And these character classes then carried over as well. But, as I said, the game had sort of removed you from being able to be focused like that, to have that one god that you truly cared about, you know, and were out in the world doing the works for. Um, Right, that was Morrowind, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's kind of
0: where it started to
2: Yeah, and then, of course, then you get over to Oblivion, and they keep those classes... And they separate the divines now back into separate temples. But you can't really join those temples anymore. I mean, the closest thing is the Knights of the Nine. And while that's a religious order, you know, it is a a holy order. It's not quite the same thing as being a priest of the divines. So they continued including the divines and they'd, they'd expanded on them. They gave you a chance to be a little more involved in the lore. But the idea of being a dedicated priestly character... Had now become a much harder thing to sort of fit in, you know. And you know, I felt that that was a real loss to the series because I had liked having the different temples around. I'd liked having that ability to go, you know, and and be doing something specifically because I truly felt dedicated to Mara or Akatosh.
0: Yeah. Plus, that kind of thing tends to differentiate your uh, your play style too, or your your particular playthrough.
2: Exactly. Um and at the same time when we got to Oblivion it was no lo- you know it was sort of did, did we say 8 we meant 9 definitely 9 it's always been 9 <laughs> yeah. So you know all of a sudden he- <clears throat> Septim went from having a hero cult which if if anyone's unaware a hero cult sort of they they sort of worship someone who's passed on that isn't actually divine but has a lot of respect for things that they've done in the past right Um But apparently at some time between um, between Daggerfall and um, Morrowind, they suddenly uh, decided to actually have a hero cult to Septim. And between Morrowind and Oblivion, he was now accepted as a a full-on divine. So, again, we can sort of see how they, they changed how they are viewing the setup of the cosmology, the setup of the religion and everything. And then, of course, we Carry over into Skyrim, in which case the entire thing is an argument as to is is Hyperseptum actually what was Talos actually a divinity? You know that becomes a major sticking point between the Dominion and the uh, the Empire. I personally think that uh, the the Dominion was basically looking specifically to, for a way to pick a fight, and in order to force a war with the empire to, and either the empire would be forced to war with them, in which case they thought they could win, or it would cause, you know, they, the empire would have to accept things that would cause rifts and weaken it. As we see in Skyrim with the whole, you know, the white gold concord, co- uh, concordant causing a lot of problems with the Nords with being told they can't worship Talos. Right. Yeah. And this is particular, and it, it's, one of the the um, the elves' argument is that there's no way a man could become a divine. You know that's that's one of those big things for them. Yeah, well, and this, sorry,
0: I said, yeah, well, you know, yeah. that's really not up to not up well, to well, uh, them or anyone else to sort of say oh, for other people. And uh,
2: ex- exactly, but that's, that's, that's sort of why they were arguing was, oh, it's wrong to be worshiping him because there's no way he could possibly be a divine now, and it's sort of. I think that this is, yet again, something that they've just sort of left Fall by the wayside, like Iis. But, you know, if not, it it just shows sort of more that there was really no argument against Talos being a divine. Because back in Daggerfall, there's a book called Arkay, in which it discusses, basically, Arkay was a shopkeeper who, because he was studying life and, you know, healing and life and death and whatnot, Mara actually made him a divine on the condition that he would work that he would basically never die and he would be in charge of you know the cycle of life and death so we already have you know a man huh. becoming a god in the series lore it's just they basically left that behind because it didn't work with what they later decided they wanted the divines to be
1: well and then you look at it you know in terms of the myrrh I main Telos you know typer was the you know one who defeated them and pretty much made you know the elves of Somerset and Valenwood part of the um the the empire you know and you know to elevate him to divine status really you know acknowledgement of him really acknowledges their own defeat so mhm it's a good point
2: yeah no really good, good
1: one point.
0: yeah we we have we have real life examples of of this all throughout you know real life History too, so you know those of you uh, listening in don't don't think that uh, this is this is crazy lore to to say that you know um, a group of people uh, have have selected a particular person to to suggest that they somehow transcended you know the the mortal coil and became uh, divine in in some way. Most major religions believe that. In some yeah. form or another, <laughs> just just throwing that out there.
2: Yeah. So yeah, that's basically how thing. Uh, well, the other thing is that Skyrim also had. They allowed us to get back into involving ourselves with the gods to a point. There were quest lines for Dibella. There were quest lines for Kinnerith, um, for Mara. That I, I I found that Mara's quest line in particular felt like you were focusing on being a priest of her church that you were you were furthering her goals in a way the ones for Kinnereth you know the repairing the tree was definitely one of her goals Uh, there's a line where you start uh, you where you have to track down and fight some spirit animals which that felt more like you were involving yourself in the spiritual side but you were not carrying forth her goals and with Diabella, I believe that the only real quest that they had was just go find the Oracle or the New Sibyl. And while that is definitely serving the God's goal, that was more of a, okay, you've messed up, you have no choice, you've got to go do this for us because we're pissed.
1: Hmm. Yeah, but you're not really joining the order. That's
2: exactly exactly. You know, there it was literally a, you know, we need someone to go do this, and you're getting drafted. Mara so really there Mara was the one that really it let you feel like you were furthering the god's goals. And I'd like to see future games continue on that type of uh of line and maybe expand it further.
0: Yeah, I I kind of agree with with that too. It would be nice to see sort of like uh temples make their way back into the games. Um this way you've got more than just your your standard um uh the, uh, thieves Guild, uh, Mage's Guild, Dark Brotherhood, and um, Fighters Guild slash Companions to uh, to join up. I think that'd be that'd be very very cool.
1: And it really depends on where they're going to place the next uh, Elder Scrolls game. I mean, <clears throat> if they were to place it in Valenwood, you could do a whole thing on Yevre, and really put be able to join that religion. Uh, as, and that uh, temple, and have a whole bunch of quest lines for him, because he is, you know, the primary god of the pantheon in um, in the Bosmer religions. Um, You know, so it's that kind of thing. You know, if you go to an area where, kind of like it's you know, Cyrodiil, I mean, that's yeah, it's it's an amalgam of everything. And it makes it very difficult because it's like, okay, what, you know, which one do you pick of the eight or the nine? Um, You know, that kind of Yeah, it's a lot. It, 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 yeah, it adds to the story, but it also makes it very complicated because you have you start to get to that point of overload. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah.
2: Hmm. Yeah. So that's basically how you know. That's basically what I found out about how the the games have changed. Um, In some ways, like with the quest lines that you can get in skyrim they're much deeper they feel much more personalized to the different gods but i really do feel that as the games have gone on the divines have become more and more as they become more and more detailed they've almost become more and more removed from player involvement in in following them in a way
0: all right um okay anything else mark
2: uh, no, that's pretty much it. That's it.
0: Okay, uh, great job, guys. That was uh, it was very good. It was informative. It was thorough. It was, it was fun. Um, I learned a lot. Let's um, let's move on to uh, our fast question of the week, which is which is um, which is going to be this. Um, I wrote. I wrote uh, I wrote this one down here. Um but now now I'm I'm actually going to change it up. Uh-oh. I'm changing it up. Do you, to to this. Um do do you guys want to see uh more uh more chapels of the divines in future Elder Scrolls games that you can join and have quests? And and then have those things, um, be joinable by like as we see it here in Daggerfall, based on your on your your characters, uh, your your characters' choices and how and and the type of um, type of character that that it is. Mark. Yes. Mike. No. Okay. Um, I I do, I do. I would I would like to see that. Uh, let me let's let's shoot over to let's shoot over to Mark real quick. Tell me tell me why you want to see uh that sort of come back into into the series, and then we'll we'll uh, we'll go with um, uh, Mike on this as well.
2: I feel that it's it's one of those things that well, one in a fantasy in a fantasy world where. People are so devoted to the gods, where we have because of their blessings. In that we know that the go- that the divines are real. I feel it's a missed opportunity for role play and for storylines. I mean, as long as it makes sense within the sto- you know, the overarching story. I don't. I wouldn't like them to say just shove in nine different temples for the sake of having them in there. Mm-hmm. But you know, like if it makes sense that there's going to be a temple to these three or four divines in this province let us join up let us you know have that extra opportunity to rp a priestly type character who has that sort of devotion i mean we're able to go and play as assassins or thieves or fighters why not allow uh, allow us to have that extra little support for rping clerics
0: and and Mike, why why no for uh, for this?
1: So, when we look at the uh, the divines in Cyrodiil, all of the chapels look exactly the same. They have the little wells that you pray at. Uh, when we look at Skyrim, I think they did a better job focusing just on Mara. Uh, you do have in Solitude the um, the the chapel or church of the nine or the eight divines. Um, so I really want to see a better story than just plopping nine or eight or seven or whatever the case might be, depending on where they're holding it. Chapels placed here and there. I, you know, I'd rather see them fixate on one or two and allow you to join those and um, really, you know, focus and have a good story and a good quest line than to have a whole bunch of just chapels returned where you can go and you know, make donations, you know, just willy nilly. They really have to, Yeah, you know, I, I want to see a good job, not just thrown in like it was with oblivion. I feel.
0: Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. That makes sense. I can, I can understand both points of view on this. Um, I'm going to, uh, I'm going to echo Mark. Okay. I'm not going to, I'm not going to weigh in because you know, it's, it's, um, we've got a good balance as it is. And, um, and we'll, we'll leave it at that. All right. Uh, so in closing, we've got, we have a, we have an email from a listener, Omenstar, who, um, who gives us this thought. He says, uh, dear Mark, Mike and of I love how your classic show has, has taken shape Avarwin recommended it to me for my lore fix. And you guys sure deliver thought this might make for a good question topic as an aside or short diversion from your main theme, whatever that may be in the week you get to this email. Examining the evolution of ammo, weighted in oblivion versus weightless in Skyrim versus none at all in Elder Scrolls Online. Preferences? I thought Skyrim did a great uh, did it right because I still had to consider which arrows to use and that I had enough for the dungeon or quest I was on. Also the choice of arrows in Skyrim still made using a bow more interesting than having the bow alone without ammo, as in ESO, which I find a little disruptive to my suspension of disbelief. Oblivion's treatment of arrows was more <coughs> realistic, but I have to admit I did find it annoying and even difficult to manage sometimes as an archer character. Curious to hear your thoughts, Omenstar." Well, Omenstar, um, I actually completely agree with you 100%. Um. I I really like the way um ammunition was used in in Skyrim. Um I don't like how it worked in Oblivion. Uh it was it was just it, it just wasn't fun. Uh it, it was it felt more work than it did fun. It it was fun but it felt more wor- like work than it, than fun. Um especially with the the arcing and and really trying to get a moving target with that sort of mechanic is very, very tough. Um, in elder Scrolls online, I don't prefer what they have there. The, the, you know, uh, the, 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 the magical Legolas, uh, arrows (laughs) where it just, the quiver
2: just never seems to end.
1: Oh, you mean a six revolver uh, that you get 10 shots out of?
2: (laughs) Yeah. Something (laughs) like that. Yeah. (laughs) The John Woo quiver. Um,
0: but you know, and I, I spoke to the devs about that too. I and I was saying that uh, back before the game um, ever came out, and they said, "Look, I mean, what do you want to do? do? You want to you want to play a fun game, or do you want to uh, do you want to play a game where you have to um, manage that type of thing on a constant basis?" And I can understand their their design philosophy regarding ammunition uh, in Elder Scrolls Online. Um, especially when you consider the, the restrictions on inventory when the game launched. So I get it, but uh, I also, so I, I understand why they did that. I mean, in, in a modern MMO and even World of Warcraft did this. They, they removed, they, when World of Warcraft first came out, they actually had, um, they had, they had ammunition that you had to sort of restock and keep on your character and that was that was a way of you spending gold to to keep the the uh prices of gold uh from inflating that was one of the ways in which they did that even world of warcraft got rid of that in in years to follow because it just it was just such a uh a pain mechanic to use in in a when you go into a dungeon and you have a very long longer than expected fight and now you 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 have to walk out of the dungeon just to buy what arrows that's that's annoying, so I get it um uh Mike and then mark what do you what do you think
1: So I really like the way Skyrim did it um to the point that it drives me nuts with oblivion. I've got mods to get rid of weights on a lot of things, uh and even in Skyrim, like I've got a mod to get rid of like my alchemy ingredients weights, so one point in time, I think one of the first shows I said I was carrying a thousand you know blue flowers uh it's because you know they weighed zero and after the mod was installed um but i don't like the way eso does it where yeah you have unlimited ammo and it's weightless but you know all of your arrows look like iron arrows i mean you know i'm vr 8 now and they still you still don't have the black arrows of you know ebony or anything of that nature and yeah it it really I i like the feel of skyrim where you know, do I want to use an iron arrow if I'm going fishing for uh, salmon roe versus, you know, an ebony or a daedric arrow when I'm taking on, you know, dragons? Um, so it gives you that, that choice and the aesthetic of the different look of the arrows. Uh, but yeah, Oblivion drove me nuts that, you know, you're weighed down with 50 pounds of arrows.
0: What about you, Mark?
2: Personally, I'm... I'm not huge on uh like I like a certain amount of realism in the game but for something like how many ar- you know the weight of the arrows yeah that it, it just becomes a pain in the butt for me I would much rather have um if I'm an archer I've got all the arrows I need I can just go and I'm think you know I can I can just go and I need I need to restock in town but I'm not sort of like oh I, I want to pick this up but I don't have uh you know, I don't have enough space. Oh, I should drop maybe five arrows. Should be okay. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just you got um, big room with two uh, two doors. You have Mike. You back? Yeah, I'm back. Okay. Hello, Hello Mark. Okay.
0: <laughs> well,
2: and Liz is laughing us at us in the chat.
0: Well, I, I'm not very amused actually um, I'm pretty yeah. upset so uh, my sincere apologies to, to people uh, watching this video and um, you know we're unfortunately uh, having a lot of difficulty today uh, with with um, my bandwidth and it, it seems to be a, a
1: recurring issue so
2: I don't know if you've got the chat if we're online again I got yeah, the chat
1: m- there, but uh, I'm not seeing the game. Yeah, doesn't matter. So okay,
2: we'll just we'll just finish off and yeah. If people yeah. want to listen, they can hear us in the yeah. You know, they can I'll, listen I'll to the podcast.
0: All right, guys. So so uh, anyway that that tends to uh, that tends to be it for for the show. Um, final thoughts, starting with with Mike.
1: So there's a ton of information on divines, and I had a kind of blast looking it up and uh, trying to figure out. You know what to present here. So uh, hopefully, you know, over the coming months here, that we'll present some more of the divine characters uh, for people to get to know better. So, And Mark. I have to say, I've
2: enjoyed this too. Uh, It was fun to go back and sort of track how things have changed again. Um, It really is sort of sad to me that this sort of divide has, you know, grown into it. Um, but it was always fun it's always fun tracking down things like Eus. So I'll hail Eus <laughs> And the Wombat. And the Wombat. And the Wombat.
0: Alright. Well, uh this this was um this was a lot of fun hearing about Divines, playing Daggerfall. Uh hopefully uh you guys at home have enjoyed it. Uh if we were mani- if we were able to get this up on YouTube, uh thanks uh thanks for watching. Please subscribe. Uh for those of you listening um iTunes and, and Stitcher Radio or maybe even on questgamingnetwork.com. Thanks for coming on over and and for listening. Uh, you can follow you can follow the show on Twitter at uh, Elder Scrolls OTR. You can you can follow our hosts as well. You can follow Mike on Twitter at KDR Mickey. That's K D R M I C K E Y. And Mark is at Carnegie Wolf. that's C-A-R-N A-G-A-N o l f e and i'm a you can follow me out of that's e-v-a-r w-y-n classic alder scrolls is a quest gaming network production and uh let's say goodbye gentlemen starting with Monique.
1: have a good day everybody i hope you enjoy your sunday and that uh, eventually we'll all get out of our pajamas <laughs> <laughs> and and mark
2: uh yeah um hope everyone's had, uh, had a great time um looking forward to next time and if anyone has uh you know has time on monday evenings at about nine thirty eastern standard time uh i'm going to be uh streaming red guard regularly regularly at that time so feel free to join me oh that's that's awesome uh, glad to hear that
0: all right well uh thanks everyone for for watching for listening uh please follow us on on youtube and on twitch as well Uh, Take care, everyone, be safe, and as always, may the foos be with you.